Welcome to the Reconstructing Healthcare podcast, a show where we discuss what's wrong with healthcare and talk with innovative companies disrupting the health insurance marketplace. Join us as we explore strategies to help employers lower healthcare costs and build a better health plan. Now here's your host, Michael Maneri. Hello, this is Michael Maneri, and I want to welcome everyone to the Reconstructing Healthcare podcast. Today, our guest is Stephen Sokoler from Journey Meditation. Stephen, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Michael. Here's the game plan. What we seek to do here on the show is really challenge the status quo and uh, educate our audience on generally what we like to call non-traditional methods and options to either lower their healthcare costs or improve value for their employees. So uh, sound like something you'd like to, to contribute to? Yes, I'm excited. All right. Very good. So I'm just going to read a brief bio, give our audience a little bit of context about uh, who they're listening to. Uh, Steven Sokoler is founder and CEO of Journey Meditation. Steven spent years in the business sector, founding and running companies, including Altrum Honors, which helped organizations celebrate and inspire their employees. After years of personal practice, Stephen recognized that meditation needed to be shared with the world in a more approachable and accessible way. In 2015, Stephen founded Journey Meditation with a simple but powerful goal, help people live happier lives with greater clarity and peace of mind. All right, ready to go? Let's do it. In that bio, there's a little bit of background about you, but you know, fairly, fairly brief. Do you want to just give us a little bit more details about your business career and, and really what, what inspired you to launch the company? Sure. Yeah. Let's go all the way back. Uh, I was yeah. born and raised in Queens, New York, uh, in a very loving middle-class family. Um, was always really interested in happiness and what made people happy. I spent a lot of time with people from a really wide variety of, of backgrounds and demographics and found that while we as, as a family were very interested in how we could uh, be more successful financially and achieve uh, you know, career success, what I found was that my friends who came from very wealthy families weren't really that much happier. And that really interested mm-hmm. me. And um, that took that really deepened while in college and then after college. And so I was always reading books on purpose and self-development and achievement and happiness. The career that I launched, I, I started in finance for a very brief minute after graduating from NYU, recognized it wasn't for me and very serendipitously met someone who ran a company that was uh, in the award and recognition business. That company helped organizations celebrate and inspire their employees. So I worked there for five years running uh, four of the divisions there, and then I purchased one in a management buyout. So the company was called the Award Group. I was running uh, the division that specialized in working with financial institutions. So I purchased mm-hmm. this business in October 2007, which was the peak of the stock market, although not many of us knew it at the time. Very quickly, the financial crisis hit and uh, investment banks spending money to recognize their employees uh, dried up really, really quickly. Everyone was very concerned about survival at the time. That being said, it created a really right. interesting opportunity for us. We were able to cut costs really quickly and as a result, we consolidated the industry. So we rolled up the second, third, and fourth largest companies in the space, along with a few independents. And then when the market came back, we opened offices in London, Sydney, Hong Kong, Montreal, Taiwan, et cetera. Wow. Sold that company in, yeah, it was a really fun run. Sold that company in uh, 2014, took some time off to really think, explore, um, and recognize in myself two things. One is uh, I had been at that business for 12 years from the time I started the award group until I sold it. And 
I recognize, number one, that if I'm going to do something, I'm going to go all in and I'm probably going to do it for a long time. So I should really mm-hmm. be thoughtful in what I do. And number two, I need to do something that really matters, something that makes the world a better place. And in my worldview, uh, I'm only going to be on this planet for some finite period of time. I don't know what that is, but I'm assuming it's finite and uh, want to do something that really that really matters. And so I thought about three different things. Uh, meditation, spoiler alert, I think you know where the story ends. Uh, yep, meditation, yep. weight loss. So I, I used to be heavy and I lost 85 pounds and have kept it off for over a decade. Um, so weight loss is something I can speak to very personally. And then life coaching. I uh, was curious why there wasn't a McKinsey of life coaching, which I, I later found out. When it came to meditation, I recognized that Um, The practice changed my life. I was fortunate. I found it while living in Sydney uh, about six years ago uh, through a book on Buddhism. Just very serendipitously found a book. It really resonated with me and started practicing. And over time, found these very subtle but significant changes, And uh, which I, I can certainly speak to. And when I had the opportunity to think about what I wanted to do next, I recognized that meditation is something that's so powerful and yet is fairly misunderstood as spiritual or religious or difficult. I thought that we could do better. I thought that we could create something that was very simple and approachable and accessible. And uh, from there, journey was born. I like the way that you you coined that. That was something that meditation is something that's simple and maybe misunderstood because meditation as a topic, you know, um, is not probably something you know listeners of this podcast would probably expect uh, to be hearing about. I mean, it's long been associated with being a spiritual practice of sorts um, and definitely not mainstream for, for most Americans. And yet, here we are in, uh, mm-hmm. in 2017, and mindfulness seems to be a big buzzword in wellness circles. So um, why don't we start with just a basic discussion about what mindfulness is and, and what role does meditation play in trying to be mindful? Great, great question. So mindfulness and meditation are often used interchangeably and, and rightfully so, although there is uh, a difference between the two. You can think of them as uh, circles that overlap, although there are parts that are the same, there are still distinct parts. Uh, so mindfulness is paying attention in the present moment without judgment. So I'm here, I'm paying attention, I'm experiencing the sights and sounds and feelings in my body and sensations. I'm paying attention in this moment without judging. I'm not doing what we normally do. I'm too hot. I need to you know, cool off. I'm too cold. I need to do this. I don't like this thought. Let me think about this. Nor is my mind you know, in the past, oh, I should have done that. Or in the future, I can't wait to do this thing or worrying about this next thing. It's right here. Mm-hmm. That's mindfulness. Meditation has many different components. Meditation is, think of it as exercise for your mind. And there's similar to how there's many different types of exercise like yoga and CrossFit and you know, soul cycle, et cetera. Meditation mm-hmm. has many different types, but meditation broadly is the practice that allows us to cultivate certain capabilities, one of which is mindfulness. So through a formal sitting practice, through the meditation exercise, we're able to cultivate mindfulness so that we can be more present and we can be, uh, as I said, paying attention in this present moment without any judgment. Is that Got it. So I, I think so. Yeah. So, so meditation is really the exercise exactly. right, to, to, to get to a result. Meditation okay, perfect. is the exercise. Whether we want to think of it as something that will get to a result or not is, I think, an a, a, a interesting conversation. Okay. I've got another question I want to ask before we jump into your company. So I, I recently read a book called Stealing Fire. Um, and, and that book discusses, among other things, the benefits of meditation, 
um, which I'm very interested in from a productivity standpoint. Um, so can we spend some time just talking about what the scientific research says about what happens to the brain and what happens to the body when a person meditates regularly? Sure. Yeah. So I happen to be a big fan of Stealing Fire. I'm actually friendly with the author, Jamie Wheel, or one of the two authors. And uh, so I, I read the book as well. Uh, there's a ton of science uh, that supports uh, the impact meditation has on the brain and in surprisingly short doses. Um, so I can, I can speak to some of that. Um, there was a study out of Harvard that showed eight weeks of meditation can physically change the structure of our brain. So the prefrontal cortex, the part of the brain that controls decision-making and emotional stability physically grows. And the amygdala, the part of the brain that controls stress and the fight or flight response physically shrinks. So you're able to spend more time uh, you know, in the present moment. You're able to make better decisions. You stress less, which is something that you know is obviously a, a, an everyday part of the human experience, especially nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the brain changes in really powerful ways. There's a study out of Texas Tech that showed just 10 minutes of uh, meditation for a number of weeks can lead to significant reductions in mind wandering. Uh, so it increases our attention. And we actually did a study uh, at New York University by a, mm-hmm. a neuroscientist, and the study was called The Effects of Journey Meditation on Cortisol, Stress Levels, and Executive Functioning, and showed just 12 minutes of journey meditation for eight weeks, 12 minutes a day for eight weeks, led to significant reduction in anxiety, increase in attention, and improvement in mood. So pretty cool to think if you just spend 12 minutes doing something, yeah. less stress, feel better, and can focus more. Um, but you're right, there is, there's tremendous science on how the brain structurally changes as a result of meditation. The impact on the brain is, is, is impressive, but I also think the impact on, on the body, particularly, you know, what deals with stress is, is very interesting because stress management is, you know, one of the more talked about components of, of wellness programs uh, today. But let's, let's transition to your company. So, so what is journey meditation? You know, specifically, you know, what problem is it attempting to solve in today's workplace? Uh, journey meditation is a simple, approachable meditation practice that we teach to individuals and corporations. So to, to sort of continue where I left off in the, in the previous story, when I started this company, I said, I want to combine these ancient practices that human beings have been doing in societies all over the world for thousands and thousands of years with everything science now teaches us about how the brain and body work. So really important to leverage these ancient practices in the most authentic way and also, you know, be true to what the science shows us. And so put together a team of experts on the science side and on the wisdom side, created this very simple yet powerful practice, and then took it to corporate America because that was the world that I had lived in for the previous decade and a half. Um, So we go into companies, uh, both in office and also virtually, and Mm -hmm. we teach meditation and very simple, approachable life practices. And I say that because meditation is not about sitting with your eyes closed, you know, on a mountain in the Himalayas and everything's beautiful. It's about you're stuck in traffic or your kid's sick or you just missed the train. You know, how are you going to respond in those situations? And so um, this combination of both the formal sitting practice, the formal meditation practice and mm-hmm. these life lessons we found to be very powerful in terms of helping people live happier, healthier, less stressed lives. Got it. Makes, makes sense. So, um, if I'm, if I'm an employer and, you know, I'm, I'm running a business, you know, there's, um, there's this, there's this notion of human capital, right. That, that recognizes in today's economy, 
um, you know, your, your people are, um, you know, the, are potentially a competitive advantage in any sort of, you know, marketplace. And so, you know, what, what would be the business case or rational rationale for implementing this service for employees in, in relation to the, that concept of, of human capital? Sure. Uh, when I started Journey and we started teaching in corporations, it was much less around, you know what, this is a nice thing to do for people. Because as a business owner, if someone approached me with that, I'd say, okay, that's fine, but there's other nice things to do. Uh, when we built this, we said, how do we make this a powerful business tool? How do we make this where companies say, we see so much value from this that we're willing to pay 10x what you're charging? And so we, we focus on a few areas, uh, productivity, retention, mm-hmm. and employee health. And there's a ton of science, which I can share with you on all three of those, on how meditation helps increase focus and productivity, how when it comes to retention, employees are, excuse me, more engaged uh, at work and end up finding deeper happiness as a result of meditation. And on the health side, we all know science has shown how meditation is sort of best known for reducing stress, but there's a whole host of other benefits. And so how does increased employee health uh, help from reducing absenteeism to reducing healthcare costs um, and all the other things that go along with just having a healthy, happy workforce. Can you just take us through on, on how it how it works? I mean, take us through an experience for uh, for an employer that you have today and, and how it's deployed for their employees. Great, great question. Um, well, first, I want to say we've been fortunate in that we've had the opportunity to teach at some of the best companies in the world, places like mm-hmm. Warby Parker, Nike, Facebook, Disney, Condé Nast, Morgan Stanley, Viacom, Sony, et cetera. Um, and those are the big ones. And there's lots of small companies that we work with, as well as charter schools, hospitals, hotels. Um, we've been really fortunate in that regard. And every client is different. So in addition to just mentioning the names, which of course sounds really nice, wanted to say there's a wide variety in terms of the types of companies that we work with. Um, the program has a, a very uh, familiar structure to it. And yet it's customized for every single client uh, because the culture of a very traditional law firm is going to be very different than the culture of a, a fast-growing millennial-based startup, for example. Right. The way the program works is uh, there's five different components to it. So the main part is a weekly 30-minute meditation class. This is led by a live teacher, uh, either in office or virtually, but always live, always a teacher teaching a group of people. The class is totally optional. People come in. It's 30 minutes. Every week has a different theme. So themes could be reducing stress, increasing resilience, creating more space in your life, finding balance. Uh, I can tell you a little bit about what that class actually looks like, but let me just zoom out and tell you about the whole program. So the first is we sure. create class. Second thing we have is um, a platform that has a number of different journey meditation recordings on it. So people could take the practice home with them. You know, doing it once a week is helpful, but doing it three or four times a week makes a big difference. And think sure. of it like exercise. Uh, next, we have program handouts. So people can take the lessons home with them, share it with a partner or a spouse or a friend. Uh, the fourth is a customized communication strategy. So similar to what I said about law firms versus startups, really making sure that we're getting as much engagement as we can. And the last thing, uh, the thing that I, I probably like the most is uh, business impact metrics. So we survey our clients, the individual employees at the beginning of the program, and then eight weeks in on things like stress, quality of life, sleep, communication. And then we share the results, the change in aggregate back with the employer so they can see what are the changes in sleep or the changes in stress levels, et cetera. So that's the way the program as a whole work. That's, that's interesting. And so um, eight weeks out, you know, you collect the survey. Um, and so what is, what is the most common 
um, result that you you see in a survey after you know the first eight weeks of rolling it out? Just curious. Sure, I can tell you where we see the the largest changes. Um, yeah, yeah. So there is a ten percent. This is now. This is all self reported. This is employees sure. reporting at the beginning and then eight weeks in. There's a ten percent increase in productivity. There's a fourteen percent increase in. Uh, focus. There's a 20% reduction in stress, and there's a 24% increase in creativity. Now, just to be clear, this is all self-reported. However, as a business owner, if I knew that my employees were saying I'm 20% less stressed or I'm 10% more productive, there's a business case to be made around that. Sure, sure, absolutely. And even if, I mean, even if the self-reported results were even 50% accurate, um, there's still some substance to that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, to share one one more thing. We did a program with Morgan's family where uh, they surveyed their people. They provided the feedback back to us, the results. And 100% of the people who participated in this program reported a reduction in stress, 100% reported an improvement in mood, and almost 80% reported an increase in energy levels. So if you think about that, if again, if 100% of my people were saying this program made me less stressed and 80% were saying I have more energy and 100% were saying I improved my mood, that to me would be, uh, you know, could be money well spent. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, just just to, I guess, offer some anecdotal uh, perspective. I mean, I um, after reading that book, I've been experimenting with a, a meditation practice uh, using a um, an app called Headspace. Yep. Um, and I've been doing it. I get up every day around five a.m. and that's the first thing I do. Do ten minutes of, of guided meditation. And um, I I would be lying if I didn't say I felt. Um, some positive aspects. I think it's hard for me to, um, I guess, quantify or measure what it is, but I will tell you now that I do it, I wouldn't want to not do it, if that makes sense. Yep. Well, I I think uh, I shared this before. The way I describe the benefits that meditation had in my life is subtle but significant changes. So it's not like I lost weight. You know, I went on a diet for a month, I stepped on the scale and I said, okay, I lost 10 pounds. This is a little bit different. It's subtler things. It's how gentle I am with myself or how hard I am on myself. It's how do I interact with others? You know, am I being more thoughtful in the way I respond or am I just instinctively reacting? You know, having that little bit of space to be more, uh, to be kinder, be, be more thoughtful. So yeah, it's, it's, and that's why when you said results, um, before I put a little, you know, asterisk there because it's something where you certainly can use meditation to say, I want to be more focused because I want to be a better coder or more effective of my job as a, as a trader. That's great. Nothing wrong with that. Sure. You'll all see a whole bunch of other, uh, other benefits as well. From a geography standpoint, is, is this program uh, available to employers anywhere in the country or is it limited to, to certain geographic you know, regions where you have um, you know, people to come in and instruct the class? Great question. We teach all over the world. So we started in New York. Last year, we expanded to LA, San Francisco, Miami, and Boston. And this year, we launched five new cities, Chicago, DC, Philadelphia, Seattle, and Austin. So we teach in office in 10 cities, and we teach virtually all over the world. Uh, to, to, to give you two kind of examples for Viacom, for example, mm-hmm. we teach in New York and LA in their New York and LA offices every week. And then we do one class for all their virtual offices or for a law firm called Pillsbury. We do four classes a week in four of their US offices. And then we do one virtual class for Europe and one virtual class for Asia uh, every week. So six classes a week. Fascinating. So, so tell me, how is the participation on the virtual classes? Because 
there's lots of employers who, you know, I think probably fit, you know, at least the geographic structure of what you just described, where they may have one or two offices with um, a good a good number of employees, um, you know, in one of the metropolitan locations that you you mentioned. But you know, they may have sales a sales force that's distributed throughout the country. So, so tell me about the the virtual classes and the types of participation that you're getting, you know, for those organizations that offer them. We've seen great engagement. The truth is, it really depends on the company. Um, yeah, you know, expression like culture eats strategy for breakfast. It's it's one of these things where um, when you have uh, an, an HR person, HR is usually the person that's uh, the the point of contact here. When you have an HR person that's engaged and that has ways of of reaching their employees, we've seen great engagement. We have virtual classes that have three hundred people joining. Um, really amazing, coming together and meditating every week. And then we have others where sometimes it's a challenge. And I share that openly because um, one of the main things that we focus on is how do we get people to come back each and every week? Because we recognize that as a company, we can only exist if people are coming back. So it's very self-serving. But in order for us to have the impact we want to have on the world, the only way people are going to benefit from this, similar to exercise, is if you do it consistently. It's not, I meditated once and then I'm done with it. So we spend a lot of time trying to tackle that challenge of how do you get people to come back each and every week. Engagement has been good. We spend time on this customized communication strategy and understanding what are the channels that people are using, how do they communicate, what's the voice, what's the tone, where are the images that are going to resonate, and really uh, crafting that to the individual client. Do you have any statistics? Because given that it is a voluntary program, you know what what are some of the participation or engagement rates that you're getting of the people that are participating? Um, do you have any statistics? Um, one of the areas where we don't have great numbers is around engagement, and I think that's for a few reasons. One is we don't really have access to how many people the uh, employers, our clients, are inviting. Uh, so some some companies will say we're only going to invite the lawyers or we're only going to invite the sales team. Um, and so we know our teachers track how many people come to the classes. So we have that number, but we don't know, you know, what's the uh, numerator, denominator. We, we know the numerator. We don't know the denominator. Uh, <laughs> right. I don't know what grade that was. Uh, and then on the um, on the repeat, um, one of the challenges is the class is only 30 minutes. And so we have people all coming in at around the same time. And because the class is intentionally designed to be short and powerful, we don't take every single person's name and check them into the class because you have the teacher there, they welcome people, people sit down and they start leading the class. So in terms of how many are new uh, new students, how many are return students, we don't have that. That being said, we're about six weeks away from launching our app. And one of the main pieces of functionality in the app, in addition to people being able to meditate now, similar to how you do with Headspace and how you could do with many other apps, one of the main pieces mm-hmm. of functionality is around checking into the live class. So you can RSVP for it, then it'll go into your calendar. And then when you show up to the class, you simply hit a button that checks you in, and then we can provide those those numbers back to um, to the decision makers and also allow that to go into your uh, the tracking so that you can track the progress you're making. Tell me a little bit about the instructors. So how are they selected and, and what are their qualifications? Great question. We've been fortunate in that there are many, many great meditation teachers out there. And so we've been able to be very selective with who we think can represent Journey well. So we take experienced meditation teachers from a variety of backgrounds. So they could have a wisdom lineage. It could be someone who's a teacher in the Zen tradition or uh, 
really any other uh, tradition. And then we also take people who have studied more on the science side, people who come out of the UCLA mindfulness program or the search inside yourself program. So we take these wonderful experienced meditation teachers, we interview them, we find ones that we think can communicate the journey brand and message well, which is around simplicity and approachability. Mm -hmm. And then we train them on the journey, practice, approach, and philosophy. Once they're done practicing, uh, they'll go through several uh, rounds of auditions and the ones that make it become certified journey teachers. So what's beautiful is we have these teachers who all come from really rich backgrounds and who can go in and teach just based on their own knowledge. And yet we give them this, this other sort of framework and structure to allow them to teach in a consistent manner. So when we teach at some of those clients that I mentioned where we're doing multiple classes a week, there's sure. consistent language and format and framework to it. Interesting. So, so you guys do a pretty serious vetting process, you know, um, you know, to have someone be certified as an instructor then. Yeah, it's essential. I mean, because of the fact that our offering is taught human to human, whether in office or virtual, it has to be someone who uh, who you can relate to, someone who can explain these topics really simply and, and, and approachably. And oftentimes with our teachers, they're so wise and they're, and they're so studied that it's not about teaching them new things. It's actually about chipping away all of the other things and just bringing the core essence of what meditation is to life and really letting that shine. Yes. So they can make it uh, simple and accessible for for people like me who, you know, wouldn't necessarily have that much background in it. Exactly. We haven't talked about cost. So uh, what is the the cost structure for an employer to sign up with Journey Meditation? Is it uh, a per employee per month? Is it a, a monthly fee of sorts? Uh, give us some background on that. Sure. Our current pricing model is uh, based on the length of subscription, the uh, company size. So a company based on how long they sign up for. So we do quarterly, semi-annual, and annual subscriptions. So 13, 26, or 52 mm-hmm. weeks. Companies can sign up for one class a week, or and I mentioned the example of a client that has six classes a week. The prices range uh, between $295 and $495 per week. And that's for the entire program for as many people as we could fit into that room. And if it's virtual, if you can get a thousand people in there, great. We want to make a big impact. And so if it's costing us the same to have a teacher there, let's get as many people in as possible. So I think the the product, granted I'm biased, I think we're actually underpricing the product, to be honest, because if you're a large company and you're paying $4.95 per week, which is the most that we charge, basically, I think you can get quite quite a good deal because you can incorporate so many people in there. And even if they don't all make it to the physical class, they can use the platform, they have the program handouts, et cetera. Since you guys have um, launched the company, um, how many employers have, have implemented the, the Journey Meditation uh, service? Well, I don't know the total count off the top of my head, but there's several hundred that we work with that have programs with us. So um, Got it. even though we started two and a half years ago, we've been really fortunate. I think, uh, to be honest, I think it's it's really timing. Like this is something where the time has come, both in terms of, you know, you mentioned the science earlier on how meditation changes the brain. There's a lot of science on how meditation impacts the workplace. And then you have this really interesting time that we're living in where technology is just moving so fast and we're so connected that people really need some other way. They need tools to be able to to deal with this. And so meditation is one of those tools. Uh, so I think we've been well, fortunate in that, you know, kind of right time, right place. Well, I think when it comes to, to timing, timing is absolutely everything. And um, specifically, we're, we're so connected. If you think about how hooked people are to their phones, to, to Facebook, 
to um, any of the notifications that come on, you know, any of the apps on your phone. I think it's almost like we've, the, the pendulum may have swung too far <laughs> uh, where we're overconnected. And so this, this may be a, a strategy to maybe, maybe swing in the other direction from a balance standpoint. I agree. What are some of the obstacles um, you've encountered to an employer saying yes to implementing this service as, as you've had dialogues with them? Sure. There's a couple things. Uh, I think the first, probably the stigma of meditation, you know, people will say like, oh, I get it, but I don't know if my, my people will. And I say, okay, well, let's, let's ask, or let's run a sample, you know, program. The way it works is uh, with any of our programs, you can cancel within the first four weeks. So if you sign up for a quarter or you sign up for a year, you have four weeks to trial it. So far we've had no cancellations. So knock on wood, so far so good. Give it a try. You know, people, people often think, well, you know, I, as the HR person, understand why meditation is valuable, but some of the people on my on my team may not. And that may be true, uh, but we've often found that people are surprisingly open to giving this a try. If you were to take a a critical look at the the wellness industry, there's a lot of things that employers do that probably have very little limited impact. You know, requiring people to do um, a health risk assessment in order for them to, you know, get their, their HSA or HRA contribution. That's not having any impact on people. I mean, people, people are filling out something like that to get the money, you know, having uh, a gym membership, a discount. I mean, we're talking, we're talking about, I mean, these are a lot of silly things that employers have been doing for a long time um, that, and spending money on that have limited benefit. You know, I, I think, I think there, I, I can understand how there would be a, a stigma to meditation, but I would also challenge employers and HR directors to consider what they're doing today in, in the health and productivity space and really thinking about what's the impact. I agree. I agree. Um, yeah. So it's so stigma being one. And the second is budget, you know, wellness meditation often falls under wellness. Like it could be looked at as a uh, productivity tool, but, but usually it falls under wellness. And so wellness budgets are very large. And so it usually goes to cover those things that you mentioned. I think one of the nice things is that um, while I haven't seen any statistics on this yet, you start hearing, uh, I've been hearing so many stories over the last several years of CEOs that meditate. And so when you start to hear CEOs saying, I take 20 minutes every day to do this practice, you start seeing, well, people make time for the things they value. They're not making 20 minutes of time because they have nothing else to do. They're obviously extremely busy. They're doing it because it helps them perform better. And so hopefully that practice and that advice will be shared with managers and team members and all the way down the, uh, the chain. I think the key word there is performance. If you've got CEOs who are doing this, you know, on a daily basis because it helps them perform, then I think there's something to that. Um, you know, specifically that's, you know, why I became interested in it is, um, right or wrong is the, the performance aspect of it. And I think when, um, the performance of an organization is largely dependent upon the people that it employs and what they do when they're actually sitting at their desk from nine to five. If there's something that you can do enhances, you know, that productivity. Well, I think that's, that's a worthwhile discussion to have. Absolutely. I was listening to Jeff Bezos the other day, talk about how he sleeps eight hours a night because when he sleeps eight hours, he makes better decisions. And meditation is one of those things as well. When, uh, when I'm practicing and I'm getting in my 20 minutes once a day or 30 minutes once a day or even 10 minutes, just that consistency of doing it, my mind is clearer. I'm able to focus more. I'm able to just make better decisions. I'm able to listen to people in a different way where I'm actually hearing them as opposed to just 
you know, hearing the words and actually hearing the, the intention because my mind is, is calmer. So it's, it's definitely a practice that helps you perform better in both work and life. Yep. Steven, what, what are you most excited about right now in your business? Are there any um, improvements or enhancements to the, the journey meditation uh, service that are in the works in the future that you, know, you want to share with us? Yeah, I mentioned the app. The app is uh, about six weeks away. So that's been uh, over a year in the works. Um, it's going to allow our current students to really deepen their practice because it's nice to have that consistency to go from class to an app and it's the same practice and it's the same life lesson. Uh, it also allows us to offer a, a different product to a whole range of people that, uh, you know, not every, every type of employer or employee is eligible or able to sit down for a 30 minute class. We teach at several hospitals, the hospital for special surgery and St. Barnabas. And, you know, doctors can't always take 30 minutes to sit down and come to a class or nurses can't always take 30 minutes to sit down and come to a class. And so being able to put this in their pocket on there makes a big difference. So I'd say I'm most excited about that, but a, a close second, we're starting to work, or I shouldn't say work, I should say talk with a number of organizations that could really benefit from our product and doing so in a partnership way that will really spread meditation. So I'm um, talking to the New York City Department of Health, talking to the FDNY. Um, how do you share these practices with people that could really use it, people that are making our community stronger, people that are dealing with really stressful things? And so being able to take Journey and offer it to these people uh, really excites me. I think that's I think that's great, and if, I think there's probably a, a lot of people in in uh, public service, public safety, um, you know, who are under a lot of stress, uh, where you know this sort of thing would would yield some tangible benefits. Stephen, if there was one question that I should have asked you during this interview that I didn't, what would it be? How much longer do you think it'll take for you to get your mother to meditate? That would be a good one. I don't know the answer to that. One. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> I think okay. I think there the you go. Thing, how how much longer would it take to get your mother to meditate? I don't know. We're, we're trying. We're trying <laughs> slowly but surely. I think if I tell her to do it, then it'll be a hard no. So hopefully, someone else will nudge her along. No, I think uh, I think the one thing I'd like to share is one of the missions that we set as a company, or or, or the mission we have. There's this concept called a big, hairy, audacious goal, uh, the Jim Collins concept, and it's this mm -hmm. 10 or 30-year goal, like a North Star. And we talk about creating a condition so that by 2030, which is what, 12 and a half years from, from now, everyone in the world can meditate. And I, I share that because to me, that's really powerful because I think the world looks and feels and acts a lot different if everyone can meditate, everyone excuse me, has the ability and the know-how and the means and the access to be able to take this very simple yet powerful practice and incorporate it into their life. So for me, it's how do we not just teach journey meditation, but how do we share meditation uh, in all the communities in, to all the people who could really use it? So that's, I don't know what the question is. You know, it's like Jeopardy. That's the answer. You got to figure out the question. Um, but that's the thing that I wanted to, to share. I love it. I think that's a pretty awesome, big, hairy, audacious uh, goal. Uh, what's the acronym for that? It, it's a BHAG. It's a BHAG. That's, that's a great, that's a great BHAG. All right. So, um, how can people interested in the journey meditation, uh, service, get in touch with you and learn more about it? Sure. They can find us at journeymeditation.com. They can email me, Stephen, S-T-E-P-H-E-N, at journeymeditation.com. They can pick up the phone and give us a call. The number is on the website. Uh, we are here to help uh, organizations, big and small, people who could benefit from this personally. Even if we can't help you, we, we certainly know people who can. So very happy to point you in the right direction. But um, 
yeah, those are the best ways. When I first, you know, was introduced to Stephen, I did make a request and ask to be able to sit in uh, on one of his classes with one of one of his clients, and uh, I was able to do that. And I, I thought it was really professionally done. Uh, I it was a thoroughly enjoyable experience. You know, one of the things that I noticed is the people in the room in that class, they just really appreciated it. And you, and you could just tell like when they walked into the room, it was a safe place. It was a, it was environment, um, that they were, they were excited to come back to. Um, and it was, it was a break in their day that they looked forward to. That was crystal clear in, in sitting with some of the folks, uh, that were in that room that day. So, um, for those employers who are interested in, you know, uh, providing a benefit that can, you know, help with employee productivity, um, employee satisfaction, employee retention. Um, I think it's worthwhile to look outside of the traditional um, health and wellness strategies that are out there and to, you know, consider uh, an alternative strategy like journey meditation. Well said. Thanks for the support. You bet. You bet. So, okay. Um, I think that's all I have for you, Stephen. Uh, on behalf of our listeners uh, and myself, uh, I want to thank you for taking time out of your, your busy schedule to, uh, to spend some time with us. Uh, I think it's been a, a great discussion, and I hope uh, our listeners have, uh, have got some benefit out of this. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Michael. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to share uh, what we're doing and hopefully, uh, hopefully change some people's lives. Absolutely. All right. To our listeners, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Reconstructing Healthcare. If you liked what you heard here, please do subscribe to the podcast and share with any of your friends and colleagues who you think would enjoy the show. And with that, we will sign off wherever you're at. We hope you have a great day and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Reconstructing Healthcare. If you liked what you heard here, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. If you're interested in continuing the conversation, please visit us at www.reconstructinghealthcare.com where you can access the show notes for this episode and links to Journey Meditation's website and contact information. Lastly, if you're interested in learning how to reconstruct your own healthcare plan, you can book a dime to connect with me at www.reconstructinghealthcare.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on the Reconstructing Healthcare Podcast.